that might be me. Is it? Good morning. There it goes. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here, and we're going to shift the way that we uh, read our announcements. So I want you to take your bulletin out. We put a great deal of effort into making sure this is as accurate as it can be. So we're going to try to say less in announcements and have you read more. We like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. We try to live this out the best we possibly can. The first of which is radical hospitality. We hope if you were a visitor today, you were welcomed as you came in. We hope that uh, you got a bulletin and things that will help you in this service. We also have a newsletter that came out uh, this week that's also back there. And we also supported the Greer High football team. So if you would like a poster for Greer High, it's in the back as well. You see on our church calendar things that are coming up. Uh, that Everything for Sunday night kicks off this a week from tonight at 5 o'clock. Every age group is at the exact same time. And you'll see the adult Bible study is Encounters with the Messiah, a four-week study taught by Mike Henson. Uh, they will meet in the social hall. Uh, so if you want to register for two uh, important events coming up, you'll see the Supper at 6 and the UMW Fall Luncheon. It's easy to do so. You just write your name in the attendance register uh, and the specific thing, the dinner or the um, UMW or the uh, Supper at 6 and then the number of people and you'll be counted. We believe in passionate worship. And you can see both of our worship services in our bulletin, uh, all the elements required to have either one. And I want you to notice on the prayer requests, there's a cell phone number there. If you have an immediate pastoral care concern, someone is in the emergency room, call that number and leave a message and we'll get an email in two or three minutes and we'll be there as fast as possible. If you have a normal day-to-day uh, -day prayer concern you'd like to share with our Tuesday prayer group, you can call that exact same number. Just say that you would would like the prayer group to consider it. Uh, we believe in intentional faith development and you can see what's coming with our children and youth and adults uh, in that section on Sunday nights and in the days to come. And we believe in risk-taking mission and service. A number of people have asked us, what are we going to do about Houston? How can we uh, help the people in Houston? Our first step that we're going to take is uh, what's called UMCOR. The United Methodist Church loves, like the military, uh, acronyms. So UMCOR is United Methodist Committee on Relief. Uh, so you can give to UMCOR immediately. You can see how it's um, listed there if you want to do it online. You can also um, put in your check that um, you would like a percentage to go to UMCOR, however you would like to do that, and we'll make sure we do that. You'll see child enrichment notes directly following risk-taking mission and service every week because the last page is always generosity. Um, you'll see uh, how to give uh, online, or you can give as the plate goes by for generosity. And notice this sheet in your bulletin. This is um, not inclusive of volunteer opportunities in our church. Some people said, uh, well, wait now, there's nothing about volunteering with children's ministry or youth ministry or choir or um, any realm of things that we do. That won't be here. Won't be here till um, Consecration Sunday in November. This is committees. And so you'll see a brief description of these committees. If you are interested in any of them, circle as many as you want and you are not uh, bound to be on that committee for the next seven years. Instead, you'll just be considered by our nominations team uh, to participate. So I encourage you uh, to circle the, any one of those that's interesting to you, and we'll do our best to um, uh, respond to that. So that's our announcements for this morning. I encourage you to take your bulletin home with you, take your newsletter home with you, leave the sheet behind you uh, in the offering plate. If you'll stand as you're able and join us with our first hymn, number 437.
us now affirm our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and dead and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of Christ. seated. Our first scripture reading for today is from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today we read of a person experiencing great frustration and anger over a new direction on the path. And as we feel his pain and we feel his anger, help us, Lord, to understand it. But equally, Lord, as we hear Jesus' response and the conviction that he had of what he was to do, Gracious Lord, make that evident in our lives as well. And as we approach the table, as we kneel together today, Lord, help us understand the struggle between the things that we want to do and the sacrifice necessary to live in your will. Use our songs today, Lord. Use our prayers. Use our scripture, our proclamation. Use our table, our confession to help us further understand your love for us and your desire for us. 
Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and you can see uh, how to give online, both to our church and to Umcor. And if you would like to give in the plate, uh, if you'll simply designate it.
sermon text today comes from Matthew chapter 16, and you can find it on page 1524, or within a couple of pages of that in your pew Bible. And I'll read one more section, so if you'd like to read along, if you'll keep your Bible open. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah, the Chosen One. He had a clarity in what he had seen in healings and what he had seen in Jesus feeding large crowds and what he had seen in the amazing teaching that Jesus had an understanding that people who had dedicated their entire lives to education and serving in theological pursuits didn't understand. They couldn't get it because Jesus was so entirely different, so far out on the edge, saying such different things to such different people that no one there would have anything in mind that He would be what they called the Messiah, the Chosen One. And last week was a real high point for Peter as he announces to Jesus that he is the chosen one. And wouldn't it be special to have been chosen for leadership and volunteering by the chosen one? And last week Jesus says to Peter, you're going to be the rock upon which I build the foundation of my church. You are going to be the very foundation of what I'm trying to build here. That was just last week. In this week's text, he is a stumbling block. And it can happen that quickly. I don't know how many of you watched how many quarters of football yesterday. I try not to overemphasize sports and illustrations because I know that only hits a certain demographic. But yesterday it was, there was a team that um, maybe had a third and 14. And every five yards you go back on that number, the amount, the percentage chance you're going to get it drops dramatically. It's a third and 14 and a wide receiver caught a pass in traffic with people flying all around him. It was a tough throw, it was a tough catch, and he made it. It was a first down. Perfect. This is a guy that's going to get us from A to Z. And then he was so excited when he caught it, when he popped back up, he spun it on his top. As a point of excitement and also to mock the person that was covering him when he caught it. So he caught the ball, he popped back up, spun the ball, and he looked at him. And the referee replied, 15 yards. And so we went from right here, where we just got a first down. Now we're back here. We're all the way back here from where you spun that ball because you thought that was the right thing to do. And the quarterback immediately threw an interception and watched that guy go all the way to the end zone. We went from taking a step that was very unlikely and making a play that was very unlikely 
to all of a sudden being a stumbling block to the team that is dedicating everything, these 11 guys in that huddle. Now we're back there. Now I just threw an interception. Now I'm watching that guy go to the end zone. It's a totally different play. Now they're not absolutely connected. Athletes have to get over mistakes, but they're connected. And it can happen so quickly. We can go from the rock that someone's going to build upon to the stone that someone trips on in a hurry. Last week, Peter was declared the rock because he understood. This week, he says, God forbid we're doing what you say, Jesus. The one whom I just declared was the Messiah. The one I just declared was our leader. I'm now questioning that leader because he's going in a different direction than I expected. See, they know Galilee. They get Galilee. Any of you that have stayed in Greer or went away for a short amount of time and came back and have been here 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you get it. And then I say, you know, Memorial's a great church. I love it. In fact, we're going to take it to Atlanta. Everybody pick up your stuff. Let's go. We're going to do what? No, I'm going to stay right here. Peter says, no. God forbid and attempts to deter Jesus. All of a sudden, Peter is a stumbling block. And what must have been so heartbreaking. Jesus says, you are like Satan. Back in the desert. You are now the equivalent of the ultimate one who's trying to stop me. Now maybe he's exaggerating for effect. Maybe he really wants to let Peter know in the way that you have let a child know or you've let a sibling know or you've let a parent know or you've let a co-worker know. Whatever it is you just did. Not close to what we've been talking about doing. So this is the question we have to ask. When have you let arrogance turn you from rock upon which we can build a foundation to stone that everyone's tripping on? And how fast did it happen? And see, I don't have to ask, have you done that? I know you've done it. Just like I've done it. I just have to ask, when have you done it? And does it resonate with you? Do you think back on it and say, I cannot... I cannot believe that I did that. I cannot believe that I said that. I can't believe that I slowed us down on that kind of level or that I threw us all off. Whether it have anything to do with God or whether it be your family or whether it be work. Sometimes it's arrogance. Sometimes it's brokenness. Sometimes it's fatigue. But we make that switch. Let's look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with the angels... And then, we'll be, and then we'll reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. There's an awful lot in that paragraph. 
One thing that's in that paragraph is this is going to be on the test. Teachers, have you ever seen an elevation in attention span from your students when you say this is going to be on the test? When you're up there and the board's there and you say, today we're going to talk about frog innards. And everybody in the class goes, I don't know. I don't know if I'm passionate about frog innards. And the teacher says, by the way, this is going to be on the test. And everybody, whoa, hold on now. Let me pay absolutely close attention to exactly what's happening in class because I know we're going to be tested on this. He says, we're going to be paying attention to your level of sacrifice and willingness to do what it takes in order to follow me. And the phrase we have to consider is the phrase, the power of the cross. The cross is so powerful, such a powerful image in the church, outside the church. And people use it in all sorts of ways, have it in all sorts of places, and they have all sorts of thoughts about it. But when we think power, we make a mistake when we think it's powerful, so then we should be powerful. It's powerful, so we should get the things that we want from it. You might consider it an investment. You ever put a great deal of time into something, a great deal of money into something, a great deal of energy and effort into something, and you expect to have some sort of return on all of those elements? Absolutely. And you'd be right to. But when we apply that same logic to the pursuit of what Jesus is asking us to do, we're going to make some mistakes. Peter thought, you know, I've walked away from my job. I've walked away from my family. I've come to these crazy places. I've said crazy things. I've done crazy things. And you're telling me we're going to go to Jerusalem and we're going to put ourselves in the jurisdiction of people who definitely want to harm us? Why would we do that? That makes no sense for us to put our lives in peril and all the things that we've worked for to get to this specific spot. Somewhat similar to a, um, uh, a political advisor on a campaign that is skyrocketing. And if that candidate were to say, actually, um, from here forward, we're going to sacrifice everything. We're not going to be about ourselves. And we're going to make sure that everyone gives every single thing. And it may harm us a great deal. What would the people who are in that space think when that candidate says that? No, we want to project power. We want to project success. And so Peter, like any great campaign manager, I picture yanks Jesus aside. He says, what are you saying? We need to project power. And our organization needs to win. Yesterday was the first example of all these new coaches that were hired in January of what they are capable of doing. You know what they said when they were at the press conference in January? We are going to get back to what? winning. We're going to give maximum effort. You're going to be proud of our football team and we are going to win. And what do you think the fan base says when they hear that? Finally. Finally. We are going to beat 
Those morons over there, I hate them. I've hated them for 50 years. Project winning or we will fire you. And then deliver on that winning or we will fire you. This is not like that. He says, our organization is going to be about sacrifice above anything else. And we will soon encounter people who don't have that mindset, who are of our same faith, but think that we're the opposite of it, and they will likely murder us. Oh, but three days after, I'm going to be resurrected. What? See, we talk about that stuff all the time. I don't know that we question it very often. We just talk about it and we believe it. Think about the first time you ever heard that. And Peter says, no. So we choose leaders who make promises to win and give us returns on our investment. But our Savior does something that few leaders truly do every single time. He went before. He called us to follow. And He sacrificed everything without wavering. Therefore, our true calling, if we say that we're followers, is to find ways to sacrifice our personal wishes for the wishes of our Savior. Now we talked about gaining interest earlier. I'll tell you something that gains interest. At 24, 25, 31%, it's regret that you have in your heart for times that you fell short. How quickly can that stack up? How powerful is the feeling inside of you that you said, I didn't do it. I didn't come close. You might even say, I didn't even try. And I've fallen short. Today is the perfect day to read this text because we're going to all say it together in our liturgy for Holy Communion. And then we're going to all read a blessing of forgiveness to one another in the communion liturgy before we gather at the table. And as we gather around that same table, we're called again to sacrifice, to hope, and to dream that we can do a better job going forward from today. He said, those that lose their lives for the sake of me will find them. Now, sometimes that's literally, and people literally lost their life in service of Him. But far more often, it's people who lose their ultimate priorities for themselves and think, how can I serve? How can I sacrifice? How can I give? So this message may be amplified. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to turn to page 12 in your hymnal. And I want you to consider what we've said.
sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have failed to be a mediate church. We have not broken your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not
until Christ comes in final victory and we feast in His heavenly name. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. I'm going to invite those serving with me to come forward. Adam and Samantha Wigliff frequently represent you in the serving of our meeting. And we uh, have a retired minister that served with me each week. This week is uh, Reverend Dennis Lee. Dennis uh, most recently served in the Sartbird, is uh, retired in our congregation, and uh, uh, sings in the choir. Uh, about 40 times out of the year. Thank you. Quite a great one. In the United Methodist Church, in the United Methodist Church, in the United Methodist Church, all we want to come over for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. We are guided by our ushers, by the outside, and you pass here at the front until it's your time to come, and you come here. The leader so that you can then lead your community if you should be able We have gluten-free elements, should you like them, and they are on the corner of each meeting uh, room. So that day, Peter thought it was the end of what they were doing. What we're celebrating now, religious authorities, authorities, and people who wanted to squash Jesus thought this was the end of what Jesus was doing. Instead, this was the sinners that would go forward from this place in people's kitchens, in uh, farms, in worship spaces, people gathering around the table just as Jesus did to offer one another the bread. The table is open and they invite you to come. I'm going to ask the choir to come forward, please. 
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to confess, for the opportunity to forgive, for the opportunity to gather around the table. You've shown us this morning, Lord, the true power of the cross. And we ask that you remind us constantly of our responsibility to display that power. Bless us as we go forth from this place that we may extend this table far beyond this worship space so that others may know of your sacrifice and love. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able to sing our last hymn, number 368.